1: hey what is up everybody welcome inside the get the is charged podcast uh coming to you live after the chargers victory over the denver broncos on monday Night football in overtime on the leg of dustin hopkins so uh i got a lot to talk about in the uh, biggest barn burner of the weekend uh like i said you know we'll, we'll dive into everything joining me are my guys tyler and alex uh tyler we'll start with you uh you pulled a flu game tonight. By some miracle, you are are here with us tonight. But, uh, you know, so here's since man. How's it going?
2: Yeah, absolute flu game. And I'm glad I got to sit through <laughs> that. Um,
1: almost got doubly sick watching it, but you feel better <laughs> after a win. Yeah, I, I would imagine that you kind of wish that you would have went to school after all instead of having to sit through and watch that entire game tonight.
2: Yeah, it would have been ignorance is bliss. Like, oh, they won 1916. Sweet. Must have been a pretty good defensive battle. <laughs>
1: Which, in all fairness, it, it, it kind of was. Uh, well, like I said, we'll get to everything. Um, Alex is here as well, man. Uh, Alex, what's up? How you doing tonight?
3: That was one of the football games I have ever watched <laughs> all time. It's, it was, it was most, one of them.
1: It was most certainly a football game. We can say it that was, for sure. Te-
3: technically, it was indeed a football game. Technically, it was a Chargers victory. So here's the pink. But uh, what the fuck? <laughs> neither offense uh wanted
1: to win that game uh obviously first and foremost huge shout out to dustin hopkins tonight uh gunning through what he said was a pop after that first pat so um it didn't seem like it was the same injury that was bothering him I, I think this might be something different uh but we'll obviously get to that so um you know i'm sure we'll get to game balls down the road but uh dustin hopkins man absolutely got it through and and for, like, the first time in my life, I think the Chargers won because of special teams. So, like, I don't know. Like, we'll talk about all that. But uh, special teams tonight was outstanding uh, behind J.K. Scott, Jossier Taylor, and, of course, Dustin Hopkins. So, um, Alex, we'll start with you, man. <laughs> Outside of the just kind of sheer, boring <laughs> way this game played out, what's uh, what's your biggest takeaway from where the Chargers stand tonight after uh, beating the Broncos 19-16 to in overtime?
3: uh they're four and two i guess (laughs) this is like the weirdest four and two like chargers kind of team of all time um because you know in a way you're sort of sitting here and they reeled off three straight wins right after after going one and two um but i guess how they've gotten those wins hasn't necessarily been pretty especially tonight Um, Definitely wanted to see more from the offense. Of course, the Broncos defense is, you know, one of the top five defenses in the league by DVOA. Um, You sort of expected them to get a boost, getting uh, Dustin Simmons back as well. And they did get that. And of course the Chargers, you know, injuries and and everything else on offense hurt them in this game. But um, I, I guess they kind of win. It's just, it's hard with everything. And how it played out tonight, even though the Chargers are 4-2 and and they have plenty of time the rest of the season to get things together. um, This team isn't a playoff team right now. And I think that a lot can change between now and the end of the season. But they just have a quarterback that they paid $80 million to that got benched. Justin Herbert looked bad. Joe Lombardi looked bad you know i mean the injuries are just piling up at this point with will clapp and then brendan heimerz and then will clapp coming back into the game um but i i just this was a really tough one to watch yeah it was a tough one i don't know if i'm ready to say
1: that they're not a playoff team right now i i think we can say that they're not like a contender um you know i, I think the afc is pretty clearly chiefs and bills and then whatever is happening after that. But I, I still think that, you know, coming off of this kind of victory, um, the offense certainly took a step back. They had played really well the last two weeks. But, I mean, we, we knew that the offense was going to be in for a bit of a slog tonight. And I think none of us kind of pictured this. They didn't even test Patrick Sertan at all tonight, which I think was um, I would have liked to see them at least, you know, give Mike Williams a chance to make a play. Um, but we knew that the offense was going to be in for a tough spot in this game. And then the news comes down that Corey Lindsay is out. Um, so I think if we knew heading into this game that Corey Lindsay wasn't going to play and the defense and special teams was going to give them a win, I think we generally would have taken that. Although obviously, yes, the offense was not pretty tonight. The JC Jackson situation is going to loom over this team for the whole rest of the season and probably the next couple of seasons, which we can certainly dive into. Um, but we needed to see the defense come out and have a dominant performance, and it wasn't that for the whole game, but for the second half, overtime, this defense was really, really good. They did everything they possibly could to, you know, put the offense in better positions. And I, I think even if it's an ugly win, I still think you, you take this kind of performance. Not 10 times out of 10, but you, you know, you generally <laughs> take this performance, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, if they want to win 10 times out of 10, then sure, I'll take whatever performance <laughs> you give me. Sure, yeah. The defense absolutely needed to show up today, and it really did take everyone. It wasn't just like, oh, Khalil Joy Bosa, and that's it. It was basically everyone that stepped up, except for one particular corner. <laughs> Otherwise, I mean, yeah. Kenneth Murray's making plays, Drew Tranquil, Jerry Tillery, Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, like everyone was making plays, even though it wasn't completely perfect. They did about as good as they could have, especially with that interception by Herbert. Mm -hmm. I still think they're playoff contenders. I I don't, clearly, it is the Bills at least as like the prime Super Bowl contender for the AFC. No question about that. But with the way the Chargers were at least able to play defense today, we, I, I really, really needed to see this from Brandon Staley because it was rough when the Texans move on you kind of at will and the Browns move on you basically at will. You Start to have questions. And this one, yes, I know the Broncos are statistically a terrible, terrible offense that's missing several key players. But I was expecting the you know floodgate game. Ralston the Broncos score 28, 31, whatever. Yeah. And the Chargers lose because they just could not keep up against you know an opposing defense as well. That's very good. So um happy to see the defense pull through for Brandon Staley. Everyone showed up, Notre Dame's finest showed up today as well. <laughs> Yeah. In a a game where the offense was like, there literally almost wasn't a right spot on offense because everything just messed up at some point, Uh, but really happy to see this defense. And yeah, they're four and two. Uh, How do I feel about them playing the Seahawks next week? I don't know, but who cares? They won tonight.
1: Yeah. I think next week, obviously you're not playing the Broncos defense. So I I think we could see a bit of a bounce back from uh, the Chargers offense, but um, Like Tyler is saying, I think, you know, the the Broncos essentially benched Melvin Gordon pretty quickly in this game, which I think was a surprise. But um, the run defense outside of a couple big Russell Wilson zone reads mm-hmm. was really, really good. Um, You know, I'm trying to do quick math here in terms of yards per average, but on um, total it was 23 carries for 98 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. They only had uh, two explosive runs given up, which I think, again, is something that you absolutely would take heading into this kind of game given how they have struggled in the past few games so um like tyler was saying i think after the jc jackson situation kind of played itself out tonight the defense really settled in and then they they did some fantastic things with their designer blitz packages drew Tranquil, derwin james kenneth murray all getting in on the action kyle Noy had some good reps as well um, and then you get some good performances from Khalil Mack. I mean, Derwin James was much better. Asante Samuel Jr. was good down the stretch. Nasir Adderley had a couple of good plays. So, I, I think defensively they took a step forward today. Even if you know the Broncos are not great, but I mean it was ten to zero after the first quarter, and they ended up at sixteen points. So um, defensively, I, I think this, I think tonight is a win for Brandon Staley's unit after not playing well at all over the past couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, um, it's it's a win for them. And I think you look at what Drew Tranquil did tonight. Um, Kenneth Murray even had a great game. Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day definitely deserve a, a lot of credit for what they were able to do in the run game as well. Um, Khalil Mack, obviously, Derwin James, ooh, aside from the Derwin JC play that um, cut the yeah. Broncos three more points at the end of the first half. Aside from that, I thought Derwin was very good as well. Um, but yeah, obviously, uh, I, I think that, when you look at this defensive performance, I guess it's a question of whether or not the Broncos were bad, were the Chargers good. I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, uh, considering sure. what the Broncos were coming into this game. But the Chargers, you know, had plenty of situations where you know they could have folded, and and then credit for the coaching staff making the decision to pull JC Jackson um, for Michael Davis because that arguably won them the game. Um, when you consider what Michael Davis was able to do on Cortland Sutton um, in the second half and in overtime. Yeah. So, you know, for, for what it's worth, um, that was a decision on defense that did flip the game. Uh, and so I, I do think Michael Davis, of course, deserves a lot of credit as well for someone who hasn't been getting defensive snaps regularly, you know, at all these past couple weeks. Um, to For him to just come in and effectively be the team's CB1 on such short notice, um, I, I think was, you know, really impressive on his end. Uh, so uh, overall, like it was a real team effort on the defense, um, uh, aside from Cleo Mack and Derwin James, this is not a defense of stars at this point, right? It's just kind of, you know, a bunch of guys who have obviously been on the chargers for a while, some who have, you know, come in through free agency and stuff, but this was a real uh, grinded out effort definitely against this Broncos team. And I, I think from that perspective, I don't know how replicable this performance is going to be That's against, right. you know top five EPA quarterback Geno Smith uh, and the (laughs) Seattle Seahawks offense that's going to come in. Uh, I can only be terrified at the thought of what potentially DK Metcalf will do to J.C. Jackson. Uh, But for now, I do think this is a performance that um, gets the defense going a little bit in the right direction. How long that'll last? We'll see. I'm very
2: curious what they do with J.C. Jackson here. I'm I'm curious what people in the chat think because Nassir Adderley wasn't hurt like he just they had they needed to make a switch they tried to make a change in that game because especially against the browns in their running game and so they did jc technically has the excuse and has said as much like we do know or at least we assume that he is 90 percent, as he said like he is not perfectly healthy there is a built-in excuse there i i don't know what you do but right now it's not working with jc I mean, I think we see him after the bye, to be completely honest. Now, is JC playing special teams? Uh, I don't know. That would be kind of insane for him to be playing special teams. But, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what they do. But there is certainly a built-in excuse there. I'm curious what they do next week.
1: Yeah, like I said, this is going to loom large, right? Because I I figured headed into today, like, you know, Cortland Sun, DK Metcalf, back-to-back weeks, it's going to be a few jump balls, some Mm -hmm. contested catches, you know, JC Jackson potentially, you know, being able to get his hands on some passes, but I don't know what is happening. I, I really don't. I, I mean, I. We were all really excited about the JC Jackson signing. We all figured that he was going to be the cornerback that this team needed, but it's just like mental errors. Like, it, it, I mean, he's he's been a little slow here and there on on some plays. Maybe that's a bit more of the injury, but. I mean, you have no business getting beat by KJ Hamler in that situation tonight. Um, You know where the Broncos are pretty clearly trying to push the ball down the field. Um, So this, I don't know, man. It's it's just busted coverages, and then like as soon as you sub JC out, the defense is Mm -hmm. amazing. Like in this game, yeah. Um, It just is. It's so puzzling. Obviously, like Alex is saying, credit to Michael Davis for you know uh, staying ready in this kind of situation, Mm -hmm. being able to come in and, and play well. I mean, Cortland Sutton, um, really none of the Broncos receivers did much in the second half, but, uh, Cortland Sutton, two catches, 14 yards, Jerry Judy, only he had three catches, 54 yards, but one of them was that 37 yard gain. Um, KJ Hamler only had two catches, 44 yards. So Mm -hmm. again, this Broncos offense is not great. It's not in a rhythm. Um, but Michael Davis came in and changed the game. It really did. And, um, you know, once he was able to come in and kind of Settle down the secondary. They were able to kind of get after Russ. And they did that in a big way with all the designer packages. And Drew Tranquil is freaking incredible tonight. Oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah, let's look at the box score for Drew Tranquil. We won't get the pressures for him. Arjun, if you're listening or if you're even still awake, I'd love to know what the pressures were for Drew Tranquil. We have, let's see, <laughs> uh, eight tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. Uh, just sensational. And, and more than just someone who is yeah. asked to rush the passer and he would rush the passer. Like he was getting home, hitting home, and it was ferocious. That fourth quarter, I believe, sack was
1: huge. So yeah, again, defense playing really, really, really well tonight, and we saw some good Jerry Tillery moments. I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day Mm -hmm. and Austin Johnson were great against the run. Otito had some good reps as well. So again, defensively, this this team played really, really well tonight. Um, (laughs) The offense tonight, man, I. I just I, I, looking at this box score, it's, it's ugly. And I, I understand, like, I, I feel like we're able to be objective about Joe Lombardi. He's had two pretty good weeks in a row before today. Mm-hmm. Again, Broncos defense, very good, but just looking at this box score. And I understand like the, the circumstances, right. You know, no Corey Lindsley um, will Clapp gets injured heading into the game, but Joshua Palmer, nine catches for 57 yards on 12 targets. Austin Eckler, ten catches, forty-seven yards on sixteen targets. Um, Gerald Everett, five catches, twenty-nine yards on seven targets. Um, DeAndre Carter, three for seventeen. Like this was the only kind of source of downfield passing attack tonight was Donald Parham, uh, who looked good in in limited action. But again, I this was a bad Joe Lombardi day, and I feel like we can Mm -hmm. safely say that they were not prepared to play without Corey Lindsley and, and I understand you think he has a fever he's not you don't think he's gonna miss this time but it felt like they after they scored the touchdown and got the the field goal in the second quarter they were just like okay like we're just gonna dink and dunk and try and get down to the field and it was bad it was really really bad tonight um some of it was Justin Herbert for sure he did not play a banner day himself missing players on quite a few occasions but um, it was just like stick left and right or a screen pass to Palmer or a screen pass to Eckler. It was just – it was frustrating to watch, man. It really was.
2: Yeah, I, I don't even know where to start with this offense because, yes, it, it should all start with Joe Lombardi and absolutely with the play calls, sure, execution, sure. But, I mean, good God, all of a sudden you lose Joshua Kelly. At some point you lose Will Clabb. Yeah. You already don't have Corey Lindsley. You don't have Keenan Allen you know, Herbert was, was rough today. There were three critical plays like fourth down Everett sitting there wide open, missed them, you know, third down could have gotten it to one of Horvath or Everett missed and them. Xander was wide else. open too. That was like, and he looked at it. It was, he was the best call
1: from Lombardi mm-hmm. all night long.
2: Right. Which is frustrating. And, and maybe the tape looks different, but yeah, but there was just and the, the three holding penalties from Zion. I don't know how many penalties the charges ended up with, but that was <laughs> brutal they finally target Everett and he gets a drop. There was what three first down or, or false starts, excuse me. There was and, and Herbert was bad. Like Herbert, not bad. He survived, and I think he was fine. But there's certainly those errors there. It was a tough watch, man. And yeah, it starts with Lombardi. Whether he wanted to play calling, execution, whatever. That was bad. That was as bad of a performance since
1: honestly, maybe the last time they played at Denver. Oh God. Uh really quickly before Alex jumps in here. Uh Broncos ending up this is just accepted penalties. This was much worse than it actually is, but Broncos had 10 penalties for 151 yards. Chargers had nine for 89. Again, that's yeah. not counting the penalties that were declined or offsetting or
3: whatever. Um didn't Damari Mathis have like five of those ten penalties? Or yeah, he had four pass penalties? interference penalties himself. Yeah, yeah. So um it was, it was yeah, Chargers it was offensive Chargers offensive MVP right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Um, I think there's enough blame to go around for how the offense played Absolutely. today. For me, I would actually say that it starts with Justin Herbert, particularly over Joe Lombardi. Um, you could kind of go either way on that one, but I just think Herbert. You know, we even talked about kind of some of the plays that Lombardi did open up in that fourth quarter, uh, like the Xander Horvath one. There's you know a play where Justin Herbert uh, that ended up in the uh, the Browning interception. Was that Browning who came down with that yeah. Uh, interception? Yeah, when yeah. Gerald Everett bobbled it um, and Justin kind of threw that one into pretty much triple coverage and DeAndre Carter is on the left side of the screen completely wide open uh, and Herbert had looked that way prior. So um, just a weird Justin Herbert game. Uh, you know, for all the talk of primetime Herbert, it really just felt like Mike Williams be getting, you know, completely taken off the face of the earth by Patrick Zertan and that side of the field getting shut down as a whole, just really messed, uh, this whole game up and what the offensive game plan was supposed to be for the chargers. And I think Herbert was clearly rattled by that. I think Lombardi was clearly kind of rattled by that and, and sort of at a loss for what to do with all the, you know, stick concepts and, and everything else that the chargers kind of tried. Um, this is a game where I think they, you know, we, we sort of have talked about Keenan Allen and the loss of Keenan Allen the last couple of weeks, but uh, this is one where I think having his loss and not even being able to use him as a decoy on, on Patrick Sertan, um, it just Mike Williams could not get open at all. Uh, obviously, you know, there will be some controversy on the um, overtime ball that probably was a catch uh, if you go back and review that one, but just oh, never yeah. able to consistently get... Uh, much separation uh, out on Patrick Sertan and all shut down that side of the field. Obviously all of the other combined issues really started to show. So um, I, I think this is really uh, an amalgamation of all the other chargers offensive issues we had seen through the rest of the year, yeah. but the chargers finally weren't playing the Texans defense. They finally weren't playing the Browns defense um, and they finally played a, a really, Uh, legit unit that caused them these problems that has, you know, the playmakers that Denver has in Patrick Sertan and and Bradley Chubb and and all these guys. So for me, um, definitely an uneven game. I think you can go to Herbert Lombardi, the injuries, um, and Mm -hmm. you just kind of hope it gets better at this point. But for uh, an offense that's been trying to find its footing and looked like it had found its footing for a bit, it just feels like whenever they go against the top ten unit, particularly a unit that does have a really good secondary, like the Broncos do have, um, it, it's just really hard for the Chargers to consistently create, you know, much offense. Yeah. So the Bron- Broncos before this game, at least were second
2: uh, in defensive EP- defensive EPA per play, if you include the games that happened before uh, Monday Night Football. The Chargers will play the San Francisco 49ers who are first in that category in a couple of weeks and the Rams on New Year's day, but otherwise it's mostly, mostly smooth sailing the rest of the way, including uh, the game against the Seahawks where they are 30th right behind the Browns. So I think things will look up eventually, but yeah, that was, I mean, people are saying in the chat too, that's a tough defense.
1: It is absolutely a tough defense. I mean, we, we talked about this, this unit being a, a unit that would give this Chargers offense a lot of problems because, Um, They're great against the run. They have Patrick Sertan. And what the Chargers have been doing the last couple weeks is uh, using the run game to their advantage, targeting Mike Williams very heavily to move the chains. And, you know, those two things play into the Broncos' strength. So there were definitely a lot of issues, right? Like, it it just felt like a snowball game because um, Herbert wasn't as sharp as he's been, right? Like, whatever we all think about Justin Herbert, we all love him, right? And we think he's... Uh, you know, top three, top five quarterback in the league, but this was not a good day for him. And, you know, there were some drop issues and Trey Pipkins was clearly not even close to 100% healthy in this game. And Will Clapp finds out that he's starting essentially this morning uh, in place of Corey Lindsley. And then Joshua Kelly gets injured. And then, you know, it just, again, it was just a, a snowball effect of, of a game for the offense. And it felt like it was the offense from the first couple of games, but at least this one was against a legitimately good defense. Um, so I think obviously you have to hope that, you know, this, this unit up front gets healthier. Um, I don't expect Corey Lindsay to have a fever next week. He should theoretically be back. Keenan Allen should theoretically be back next week. So it should get better. The Seahawks are not great on defense. So, um, it just, it just felt like the chargers kind of folded on offense and we're not really used to seeing Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert just have like no answers for whatever the defense is throwing at him.
2: Yeah, I think things will get sorted out. I mean, if you look at like the Green Bay Packers scoring 17.8 points per game, they've just consistently been bad and unable to move and get things sorted out all year because of, you know, they don't miss Adams because he's hurt, but Adams isn't there. There's injuries, there's offensive line issues. And then if Rodgers isn't on, they don't look good. So the Chargers kind of have a lot more peaks than that. Uh, I would say, as many valleys, I suppose, not as many valleys, they've been better, but certainly have more higher moments there. So I think things will get figured out with Keenan on with Corey Lindsley, but man, like I'm almost willing to say that Corey Lindsley is like the second most important player on this team because with him, without him two completely different offenses. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. Sorry.
3: Yeah, no, I just want to say, I I think it was um, the MIBPJ guy on Twitter who had posted that the chargers (laughs) were like uh first or second in the league when like Corey Lindsley does play in terms of EPA per play and then they're like bottom of the league wow. when he doesn't yeah. <laughs> Um, so I mean just that stat in particular is you know shows goes back to Tyler's point I mean Corey Lindsley is super important uh, as was Rashawn Slater you know prior to him getting hurt as was you know really every key cog of this offensive line before it kind of became what it is now um, Trey Pipkins clearly not 100% and probably shouldn't have been out there tonight if the Chargers had reasonable depth and backups yes. but i mean then he you know had to go out there and obviously the the offensive line and the state it's in is going to be a storyline i think going forward um this is probably the toughest game uh, i guess maybe until San Francisco in terms of you know what the Chargers will encounter Uh, on a defensive line, you know, for at least a while here. But um, that was definitely rough to watch. And you just hope that, you know, obviously at some point in long term that Slater may be able to come back this season. Um, But just that they can get Lindsley back. Filer starts playing better because Filer uh, was pretty rough tonight again. Uh, And at this point, you know, Pipkins is hurt. And it's just Zion Johnson did not have the best game either with all those holding penalties. Uh, And so, yeah, just a a really tough effort and a really tough night for an offensive line that was really tested by that Denver defensive line, which is what we expected. Um, And I do think things will get better against, you know, that Seattle uh, defense next week. But um, definitely a rough game from the offensive line and, and just everything that was happening at the line of scrimmage as a whole. Yeah,
1: you know, there were a lot of people in my mentions tonight saying like, oh, like 2020 Trey Pipkins is back. It's like the guy's playing through a sprained MCL on his inside plant leg. And, you know, going up against a speed rusher like Baron Browning, who weighs like 230 pounds, probably soaking wet. You know, you have to be able to get quick off the ball. And and he just clearly was not able to do that. I felt like there were also a couple of times in which Justin could have stepped up and he didn't. So um, it, it was just, a it was not a great day from the offensive line. I mean, the rushing numbers are, um, not terrible, but they're not nearly as good as what we've seen, obviously, the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, offensive line, uh, not great tonight. I will say Sonny Michelle had some really good runs tonight and kind of ch- saved the Chargers on two or three occasions. So um, I guess if you want to point to a bright spot on offense, I guess you could talk mm-hmm. about Sonny Michelle. You know, there were a couple instances in which he had some really good reps and pass protection as well. So Um, you know, they, again, they just did enough to survive this game and they came out with a win. Um, and obviously, you know, that's, what's most important again, hopefully next week you get a little healthier and, uh, bounce back against the Seahawks.
2: Yeah. Shout out Sony, Michelle, man. (laughs) Listen, Joshua (laughs) Kelly got what one touch and then he was hurt or two touches, whatever it was. And that was it. And Sony, Michelle came in. The numbers don't look great 3.5 yards per carry, but that dude deserves a game ball for four. Hard runs to convert, I would say. I don't know how many first downs he ended up with, but there were some tough, tough runs where, I mean, they needed one, and he got 1.1. 1. 1, but it was just enough for the Chargers. Really, really solid from him. And if that's his role, if Joshua Kelly is still the more dynamic back, and he is, but if Michelle can just get you something difficult every, every now and then, great. That's solid. With that said, would still love Isaiah Spiller.
3: <laughs> yeah, Um I th- thought this was a decent bounce back game for Sony Michelle, if you want to say it that way. Especially, you know, playing that role in a pinch like he had to. Most of us expected Joshua Kelly to be out there. Obviously, then he gets hurt. So I think Sony Michelle did his thing. Uh, we'll say future fourth and two plays. I want Austin Eckler on the field instead of Sony Michelle. <laughs> uh, don't know why that was a thing at one yeah. point in this game, but uh, I did think Sony Michelle's effort uh, was there tonight.
2: I think that particular time. Eckler would like finish the rest of the game. So he's fine. But I believe he kind of limped at one point back to yeah. the huddle. I believe mm-hmm. two plays later or so later that wasn't Michelle was in, but I think they had like an injury timeout for somebody else. So I, I would
1: have thought Eckler would be in there at that point, but I don't know. Yeah. There was also a play like, and I want to say in like the middle of the fourth quarter where him and uh, Jonas Griffith kind of got face to face a little bit. It was a hard, hard hit. I thought it was clean, but you know, it was a hard hit, and and you could tell he was a little bit shaken up. So, um again, offensively, not a ton to talk about in terms of positivity. We talked about Donald Parham having a good game. Uh, I thought his uh, – I don't know if he got injured or what, but you could kind of tell later in the third quarter into the fourth quarter that they kind of just really went heavy on 11 personnel. And, again, that's something that I wish they would have kind of gotten back to. I don't know if Donald Parham was injured again, like I said. Um, but you know, they, this like 11 personnel with Josh Palmer, Mike Williams and Deandre Carter and Gerald Everett, it's, it's just so clunky. Like, and and I understand like, you know, those are the guys that you trust. Those are the veterans that you can rely upon. But when Mike Williams is getting blanketed, like it just was, it was a clunky, clunky unit. And I wish they would have kind of, you know, shifted things a little bit more frequently from a personnel package standpoint. So, Jason Moore was active. Yeah, he was in the game. Michael Bandy was active.
2: Richard Rodgers was yeah. not. And they did everything they could to take Trey McKitty off the field,
1: it seemed. Yeah, they went to Bandy early, too. He had, I think he was a uh-huh. fourth down conversion. Um, and then I swear, I, like, never saw him again after that. And same thing for Jason Moore. Jason Moore blocked a couple times early mm-hmm. in the game, and then, like, that was it. So, um, again, like, we've talked about this with Joe Lombardi. Like, whenever things get tough, like, What he does is 11 personnel and stick and screens and swing passes and RPOs. It it was just, it was not a pretty game for him.
2: No, not at all. And regarding Parham, I thought he did get hurt as well. Uh, And I really don't remember seeing him after that as well. Now that he's a high volume, high target sort of guy. So it's not like I see him a lot anyway, but I think there was that one play he was down and I I was like, Oh my God, Donald Parham again on primetime. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, some guys definitely played through in more injuries than they let on, that's for sure.
1: Uh, Daniel Popper tweeted out that Corey Lindsley officially missed today's game with food poisoning. That's a hell of a bout with food poisoning, man. That knocks you out of, th- of three days of practice and games. Whatever he ate, uh, don't ever eat that again. <laughs> wow. Really? That's what Pop. That's what Staley said in his press conference, I guess. Food
2: Poisoning, what that dude eat, man. You got he said he had a, I
1: thought Brandon said he said he had a fever. I know mm. Alex tweeted the, the skeptical face. Oh, earlier. this
3: is such bullshit. It's, it's <laughs> such bullshit, dude. It's the fucking knee. He had 10 to 9 to said he missed a game and he missed a half. Like, at what point, like. The story keeps changing. It's fever. That it's food poisoning. Maybe this really is like something crazy that happened. But like, I I don't know, man. Like, because we just t- we talked about it. Even when he did come back, like you you can't load manage like ten- tendonitis. Like this this is something that's going to be with Corey Lindsey for the rest <laughs> of his career. <laughs>
1: sorry yeah. alex <laughs> for I mean, our audio something... for our audio audience yeah. uh, tyler put a live comment in here from socal slime that says
3: "Corey ate the funeral potatoes honestly would it not yeah.
1: surprise me if that's what happened
3: yeah um i mean i don't know like th- this is just i don't know i i don't believe it at this point that this was a fever food poisoning situation um would be surprised if that was the case i think they're I don't know, like, it just feels weird, and we've had a history of, like, the Chargers, like, saying it's one thing and then it becoming another. Uh, Brian Balaga, kind of a very famous example of that Justin uh, Jones. alongside the offensive line. Uh, Justin Jones, Mike Pouncey, right? The list kind of goes on. Um, so for me, um, I don't know. I, I definitely think this is a storyline that's going to go uh, throughout the year, and I I don't know if I really buy that it's food poisoning. <laughs> put that back on the screen
2: <laughs> i love that these our viewers are, are giving some callback things here.
1: <laughs> you this is great alden somebody watched our q a on steak, sunday night uh, whiz whiz <laughs> shout out to alden that's hilarious um yeah i don't i don't know like uh, one of my favorite things about brandon staley has always been that these he like actually talks at the press conferences right just tell us the truth man like Just tell us that, hey, Corey Lindsley has food poisoning. And then we'll be like, okay, we understand. Not he has a fever. And then it's a 24-hour thing. And then downgrade him to questionable. And then he's out. So, I don't know. Like, I've had food poisoning. And it's not fun. And I get it. But just, I I don't know. Maybe Corey didn't want him to say that he had food poisoning. But just as, like Alex is saying, is strange. I don't know. I'm surprised no one's asking about JC yet. (laughs) That's because they won. Or at least nobody <laughs> is tweeting about it. Oh, you mean in the uh in the presser, well, yeah. That
2: wasn't the first question.
1: Um, nobody's tweeted about it. The Corey Lindsay thing is the only update from any of the media members, and it was only Daniel Popper and Lindsay Theory. Do they have do they go into press conferences knowing they can't ask about a specific thing? um i mean they they were really like after brandon staley when justin herbert got injured against the chiefs mm. and against the jaguars so i don't know why jc would be off limits here i guess we'll find out that
2: certainly would have been my second question after how probably would have been my
1: first question tonight
2: <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know everyone's asking about jc so
1: I I don't think he played in the second half, right? Like he did not know see the field. No, it was Michael Davis from from the jump, pretty much. Um, before we get in there, I do want to, they've we've had a few super chats today. Okay. Um, that I want to uh shout out so I can scroll back down and like see the live comments again. Um, Michael Hodges, he says Hopkins is a fucking dog. Game balls to Hopkins, tranquil on our defense mm-hmm. for carrying the offense. Also worried with our team without Lindsley and Ka on the field. Obviously, we've talked about a lot of that um we'll see what happens with with Dustin Hopkins man I mean whenever a player says I felt a pop I I Mm -hmm. don't feel great about his short-term future but um we'll see definitely powering through uh that injury deserves him some some uh shout outs for sure and then there was uh unless you guys had something to say there there was another one from Zach Pearson yeah as far as Hopkins goes that was the best kicker performance I've seen since I
2: think Badgley 2018 Ravens where he had to go like four for four on field goals. The, the Chargers would not have won that game. Um, outside of one blocked field goal, he was he was excellent that game. But yeah, Hopkins, man, way to go. I, I was getting emotional a bit. I also felt okay <laughs> about that kick too. Like Even though he so on one leg, yeah. I was like, okay, I feel kind of good about this. That Mike Williams, I know he did nothing pretty much the entire game. That last connection was so huge. I think yeah. Hopkins would have hit it anyway the board that make a difference 39 versus 48 or whatever it was huge
1: yeah absolutely um zach says zach pearson uh he said appreciate you guys analyzing the game this late at night uh especially alex hmm. band i don't think people realize that it's uh 12 30 p.m right now where alex is at and uh in a few weeks here, we're going to be on
3: 400. Oh, it's only going to get games. worse. It's only going to be worse from here. So please do not put any of these other games up when it's 2 a.m., Brandon Staley, please. I, I need I need better efforts than this. At least
1: make him good games. Uh, but definitely, uh, he says he wants to see the tight ends yeah. use a little, more, a little bit more. And I agree with that. I think, like, I, I really like the way that Donald Parham was playing. Again, I, w- I would love some clarity there. Um, but the way that Jared Everett was used tonight was rather frustrating to me after yeah, uh, what he did in the first few games.
2: Yeah, he clearly was their up until week four, their best receiving option that they had, including Mike Williams. And then they just, yeah. you know, they continue to feed Mike Williams, which is totally fine, but they've kind of just ignored general Everett the last two weeks, including this game. And it's a surprise for sure. And it's to the point where Herbert, like he ever just standing in the middle of the field on a fourth down and Herbert is just look looking elsewhere I don't know what happened. I don't know why you go away from Everett. Um, because it's not like this, the pick six happened in week two and they just went away from him because they couldn't trust him or something. No, they, they continued to feed him after that. So I don't know really what's happening here.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, a weird weird situation as a whole. Especially because, I mean, it just felt like last year, Jared Cook was a really frequent target. Um, even in spots where he maybe he shouldn't have been um, after dropping the ball. So, I mean seeing Donald Parham get involved in this game and then just, like, kind of not, um, clearly after he probably was injured. But, yeah, just it doesn't feel like there's ever been a consistent force in the tight end room, uh, really, at any point this year.
1: Yeah, I thought there was another one that I missed. Um...
2: I can keep uh, sorting through them if you want me to just find them for you. Yeah, that would be great. Okay, then let me go backwards then. Uh, Okay, first of all, shout out my mom. Thank you. Love you. Uh, Okay, from Brad Carr. What's up, fellas? My first super chat. Do you think there's anything to take away from Derwin mouthing at Staley?
1: People keep saying this in the chat. I missed it. So
3: I I didn't didn't
1: see it either. Was this when they had to call time out because there wasn't enough people on the field to defend the punt? I want to say oh. that is that's what happened. That's I didn't see. One. I didn't.
2: I didn't. It didn't register in my brain as something to pay attention to. So there's something else. Let us know.
1: Uh, I I wouldn't put much stock into that. I mean, Brandon Staley and Derwin James are arguably like the two closest members of like staff and player. Brandon Staley loves Derwin James. So I wouldn't put too much into that other than it just kind of being a heat of the moment thing. Maybe he tweeted WTF are we doing? <laughs> I wonder what Queen I wonder what Keenan was thinking tonight on the sideline watching that game. Did they go for oh they did go for on fourth down? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was absolutely the right call. Uh in 100%. half, but mm-hmm. um I just I I thought Justin had Gerald Everett, and I don't hate going after Damari Mathis either. Poor execution for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought that was the right call. I, I would love to look at the play again to see how exactly gerald ever got open but um yeah i'm fine with that sequence for sure yeah um vanessa and hunter shout out uh she slash he says the defense really looks better without jc jackson not worried about the offense without keenan and a good broncos d yeah i i think like we said the the the, uh offense should certainly bounce back next week with Corey and keenan back in in the lineup especially especially keenan allen (laughs)
2: yeah we'll see how much he's actually
1: back but yeah no keenan on back solves several issues uh for this team so um adrian said that staley was blaming jc for their coverages was not supposed to get help over the top before the half and was supposed to be deep third on a touchdown uh it was not a good look uh, no not at uh, all jc at all
3: no um and and that's what it looked like on the play too is that mm-hmm. like Derwin's? you know kind of just running back to try to get to hamler and is like what the fuck just happened <laughs> and so that was a pretty big miscommunication yeah. um and then obviously jc is kind of the culprit there um so i i don't know and obviously then you have the uh touchdown the broncos got in this game so um yeah i, I don't know what you do with the jc situation going forward it's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with it Especially after how Michael Davis played tonight. But, like, mm-hmm. man, that's going to be a story throughout the rest of the year. Um, that, like yeah. said.
2: That's what changed it for me, too, is Michael Davis. Because I was at a point where, okay, like if Nasir Adderley's out of position and JC's out of position, and even in some moments, Jordan's out of position, that's a coaching issue, right? And, and I yeah. think, sure, that's definitely part of it. But then Michael Davis steps onto the field and is like, oh, yeah, now I got this. And everything was fine the rest of the way. So, is it a coaching issue? Um, I'm not going. I'm not ready to like, crown Michael Davis. I'm not ready to trust J.C. Jackson. Like Michael Davis played a half, and we've seen like, we've yeah. seen him as a starter as well. I like Michael Davis a lot. I, I would love to see him on the field, but I'm not ready to crown him yet. But things just looked everything changed with Michael Davis on the field. And if it, all it is is Michael Davis gives up, you know, four catches for 45 yards a game, but it's not, you know, one for 60. Yeah,
1: you know, you got to roll with that maybe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we saw uh, um, Nasir Adderley get benched and it kind of worked. Like he did. played pretty well tonight. Mm-hmm. He certainly did not give up any big plays. Um, I thought he had a couple good plays. So it little, looked a little bit more like 2021, Nasir Adderley. So we'll see. Maybe this is the wake up call that JC Jackson needed, right? I, I wish that he wouldn't have put himself in that situation. Um, but again, like, they need him like the best version of this chargers defense involves JC Jackson playing at his best. So um, I, I think they kind of have to give him another chance next week. I, I, I don't know what you're able to do with this situation. And and again, uh, maybe you bench him next week, but then you have to mm-hmm. do, you probably have to make him a healthy scratch because you need that other spot for special teams. Cause Michael Davis is a, is a starting gunner. He's he's on the, all of the special teams units, like, you can't just have J.C. Jackson just not play at all. And, like, what are you going to do? Put that five-year, $100 million contract on special teams? So, right. I don't know. It, it's a dicey situation for sure. Mm-hmm.
2: No.
3: And, I mean, they they have to play him next week, right? Because, as, as Stephen just said, like, the best version of this defense involves J.C. Jackson playing at his best. Um, and, and really the, I guess, bummer part about tonight in terms of the J.C. Jackson performance is, like, he's very clearly, like, not hurt. Like, at, at yeah. this point, you know, it's in all terms mental of recovering condition. from that injury, um, you know, you could point to a couple things in the Cleveland game and be like, oh, he was a little slow here, gets beat mm-hmm. by Cooper on the route here. But, like, this game, it was just all mental in terms of, like, just not knowing where he was supposed to be, not being comfortable with this defense, and then, in addition, you know, maybe being a step slow in that regard. Um, But, yeah, I, I think that's just the disappointment with this JC performance and knowing he's not hurt. It's not like you can put him on IR for four weeks and just say, okay, here's Michael Davis till like JC gets his like head straight. You can't really do that. So, I mean, he's going to have to play. I mean, look, the chargers pay him $16 million a year or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. You, you paid him to be CB one um, and you kind of have to pay him until you, it works. Right. And so for me, or, or at least play him until it works. Um So for me, I, I, gotta have JC Jackson in there and then just you know obviously is could the leash get a little bit shorter in some of these games especially like as the Chargers are a contending team um, and Brandon Staley has not been afraid to yank guys before Michael Davis very much knows what that feels like in previous years um, and he wasn't afraid to yank JC Jackson tonight he wasn't afraid to yank this year Adderley obviously last week um, and so yeah I, I think that at this point you you know, the leash is probably shorter for JC in some of these games if it's as bad as tonight, but you have to play him.
2: Yeah, a lot of yanking. Uh, Victor Allier, uh asks, any concern about Herbert? Maybe the ribs flared up. Uh, when you can't hit that Hail Mary and you're 10 yards short of the end zone, something tells me that uh, not great so far. Not perfect.
1: Yeah, he, he wasn't sharp tonight. I, I think the Broncos were doing a lot of things to get to him and again the offensive Mm -hmm. line was banged up you couldn't get any separation so sometimes you just have those kind of games where everything kind of feels like it's closing in on you as a quarterback and and I feel like that's Mm -hmm. uh what happened so um yeah I'm not concerned like I I think the one thing about Justin Herbert that we can always generally bank on is that he's going to follow up a a poor showing with a really good showing and I think he proved that Mm -hmm. last year the year before that that Anytime that you know he came out and, and kind of struggled, he was gonna come back the next week and uh have himself a day. So uh and getting the Seahawks next week should absolutely help. Um, Max Vega asking about the uh muffed punt <laughs> situation. I kept on waiting for a flag to be thrown. Me I too. was like, wait, that that shouldn't be a thing. Um, but I guess like technically it's not a penalty if you use the uh blocker to yeah. cause a fumble. So I don't know if there's anything more technical. I don't know if I'm misinterpreting the rule because I didn't look it up. Uh, Somebody Broncos fans tweeted it, of course. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it it looks like to me that it was a legal play by Jossie Taylor, Mm -hmm. and if it is, very heads up play.
3: Well, it was. I think it was because the receiver, I mean, ran into. Ran into the blocker there, so then that's mm-hmm. why it wasn't. If, if Jossie or Taylor had directly interfered with the the returner or the, the fielder in that case, then it would have been a penalty, but otherwise it's not, which is you know, um, weird rules that don't make sense in the NFL part 257. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know. yeah, I was waiting for a flag
2: on the Asante Samuel Jr. pass. 100%. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't interference, well, it was, but it wasn't. Um, and then on that one live, I thought, oh, my God, yeah. John Taylor just blew into this guy. But
3: no, I mean, it, it was yeah. it's it's legal, I guess. Yes, I just said that. Whatever. Speaking um, of flags, what the fuck is roughing the passer? Um, dude, that Morgan Fox
1: penalty was just the, atrocious.
3: The Morgan Fox one, e- even the Broncos one that they got on uh, Justin Herbert. Like, it, it just felt like the whole game. um It, it was just weird. um. I don't know. And obviously some of the flags, it was just a flag fest the entire game. But um, yeah, I don't know. Roughing the passer it continues to be one of those things that I just... At at this point, like, what is what is roughing the passer, and what are you allowed to do? Because there are times that like Drew Tranquil came in like a little bit violently, and I'm like, ooh, are they gonna call it? Yeah. <laughs> or, I thought the, Jer- the
1: one at the end of like the yeah. end of the fourth quarter, I was like, oh, that's gonna be rough. Yeah, he went
3: yeah, it's like, oh, did he invade Russell Wilson's personal space a little bit too <laughs> hard that time? Like, and you know. Even the uh, Jerry Tillery one, where he like hit Russell Wilson in the helmet, I was like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. are they going to call that yep. hands to the face? Are they going to call that he in- invaded his personal space? Like, I don't, I don't know." So, um, just very weirdly officiated, and that that's how been now roughing the passer has been all year, particularly if your name is Tom Brady. Also, but yeah,
1: yeah, my thing with tonight specifically, it was like they were really ticky tacky at certain moments, yeah. and then they were like, "Okay, we're going to let." Patrick Sertan and Mike Williams just mug each other on another instance and (laughs) and Michael Bandy like clearly got interfered with but it was like okay well you know they're just kind of going at it and then there were other ones that were just like so ticky tacky on both sides Mm -hmm. the rest of that on both sides for sure yeah Um, So that that to me is always the most frustrating thing like if you're going to be ticky tacky be ticky tacky the whole game if you're going to let them play let them play the whole game you can't sit there and mix and match on roughing the passers and pass interferences, especially pass interferences because they're spot fouls in the NFL. You're talking about 40-yard penalties. So it's just – it was frustrating to watch. And that really added to the frustration of the whole game because both offenses were really bad and, like, the best plays of the whole game for either side were pass interference calls.
3: Yeah, and it just felt like the whole night – it was like, okay, well we got that call wrong. So we're going to get a call wrong now to make up for it. <laughs> and like that just kind of happened for both teams tonight, which is just weird.
1: And somebody else was saying uh Brandon Stey, they apparently buried JC Jackson at the end of the press conference. Uh so definitely going to have to go back and uh watch that one. Hmm. interesting.
2: Well, um I guess yeah. that speaks to, you know, the rumors that he treats star players a certain way. I I guess it's also good to show that you'll, you'll
1: flame your star corner if he's not playing so hot. Yeah. I mean, we've been pretty critical of, or at least in the off season, we're pretty critical of Brandon Staley not being able to, you know, or not being willing to make these kind of adjustments. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he benched Nas, he he's benched JC Jackson. So, um, you know, he's certainly not afraid to, uh, make these kind of decisions at this point which i think is overall a good thing but obviously jc jackson that kind of situation is just it's a little different than uh not choosing storm norton or or not choosing Nasser Adderley. yeah um okay lefty top tens do charges need we're gonna, gonna we're gonna keep getting these questions so uh we'll take a few more and then we'll kind of move on here um do the chargers need to add receiver depth Uh,
0: um i think they they do
1: but i think they're gonna wait until keenan allen is, is back to see what it looks like
3: yeah um i mean they do but they've been comfortable rolling out with josh palmer and deandre carter and as long as they're comfortable doing that I, I don't know like i just didn't see a lot from josh palmer tonight didn't see a lot from deandre carter outside of the, like the one conversion he got um so i mean theoretically right you're not playing patrick sertan again until the next time you play patrick sertan so you should have at least both sides of the field open uh then you're getting keenan allen back you're getting mike williams back but i mean this is just going to be the thing for the rest of the season, right? It's like how how easy is could it be for Keenan Allen to re-aggravate that hamstring? Then if Keenan and re- Allen re-aggravates that hamstring, then what are you going to do, right? And the yeah. Chargers have just kind of played this whole situation like, okay, Keenan's coming back, Keenan's coming back, and he very well might. And maybe he just plays like the wide receiver one that we all expect, you know, and that we've seen in previous seasons. Um, but I think the Chargers also, at some point, need to start preparing for a potential reality where this goes wrong for them. Uh, and they mm. need to make some kind of move whether that's a trade whether that's a signing um, whether that's just you know getting e- more guys that can immediately contribute than just having Mike Williams on one side of the field and then all of the other wide receivers kind of just struggle to get into the picture for the rest of the game um, I mean Michael Bandy's like a nice story calling him out from the practice squad so is Jason Moore but like at some point you know, if this Keenan Allen thing isn't resolved and if the wide receivers behind Mike Williams continue to kind of look like they have, it's definitely a question. Oh, yeah. God, please. Yes. Elijah Moore, <laughs> if he's
2: available, I can't even tell you I would immediately buy that jersey. I loved Elijah Moore. The numbers were so good for him as rookie year too, like per play basis. And just like he doesn't seem like he wants to be there and they don't want to use him or whatever. My God, I would die if they got Elijah Moore to play their <laughs> slot. Oh my gosh, I would punt Palmer to
1: the sun. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun, man. I mean, like we wanted them to draft him, so I mean he's the perfect, uh, perfect guy there for sure. Um, there were some other super chats that um, you mm-hmm. know we'll get to those. Uh, you know, something about mm-hmm. JC Jackson and, and kind of the future there. So yeah. we'll get we'll get to JC a little bit more once we have some more information on him throughout the week. Um, before we get to kind of our game balls and wrapping up the show, I did want to say apparently when uh, the chargers were introducing the Broncos, they put a uh, clown emoji face over Melvin Gordon's face before the game. Uh, Yeah. So Melvin Mm. Gordon was asked about it afterwards. He says his feelings were hurt a little bit and it sucked that he wasn't able to uh, do anything about it afterwards. So, i don't know Mm -hmm. if that actually happened but uh melvin gordon said it did so i don't know if anybody who is listening was at the game if you can confirm that uh melvin gordon got a clown put on his face before the game but uh yeah that happened and i wanted to uh bring that up that's kind of hilarious but also (laughs) pretty if, if that happened
2: that's that's messed up like I get it, and it is it is easy, but it's it's low it's low hanging fruit with Melvin Gordon. Like it's just oh, Melvin Gordon sucks. And, and listen, it, it is a bit comical where in four weeks he fumbled four times, and we're saying, oh my god, here we go again. But you know, I I just talked about that game against the Ravens where we needed Michael Badgley. They also needed Melvin Gordon that game, who had to really dog it out through a, an injury, I believe that no. game, and help carry that team. So there are moments where Melvin Gordon did fight for this team, and I really hope
3: that that did not happen. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, at this point, we're pretty far removed from like Melvin Gordon being on this team. Like Like, uh, three years, three, three years ago. Um, I mean, yeah, like there will obviously be Chargers fans that have like feelings on Melvin Gordon, um, you know, for, for good reasons in terms of how that whole situation played out, um, then again, I mean, when Carson Wentz comes back to Philadelphia this year, he is going to get ridiculed and <laughs> put the shit out of. So I can't speak too hard on that uh, because. But you expect fans, that from Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Some fans, can be, some fans can be pretty brutal, um, but just weird to continue to do it to Melvin Gordon, I guess, who has been gone for a while and like just I don't know. Especially after he got benched tonight, like I don't know, like he's not that player anymore uh junior
1: says it was a lookalike cam i don't know it, it, the tweet that i saw from an nfl network reporter said that it was before the game like they were introducing the broncos i guess or whatever and uh it was him so i don't know tyler are you listening to something about that or something different no someone talked to us in what staley
2: was saying about uh jc i i, I don't see where unless it, i didn't get tagged in the whole thing I don't see where Staley is mad and inflaming JC and stuff like that. Um, but he's certainly short of words and assigning blame to JC for the two big
1: plays. Yeah, I don't think it's really Brandon Staley's style to just like throw somebody under the bus like that. Nah. I mean, he's he's had other opportunities to uh throw his players under the bus. Like he could have thrown Nas under the bus several times this season for mm-hmm. you know those big plays and he never did. So Mm-hmm. oh yeah lindsey theory just tweeted this out justin Herbert, had 57 pass attempts no touchdowns uh most in nfl history for a win <laughs> so hey we're a part of a, a weird stat for a change in a good way as opposed in to a, a good bad way. way
2: nice it was the midges last week 57 passes in the win <laughs> this week yeah someone said uh no passes past 15 yards i think um parhams was yak um uh, but they did say like he was what like like One generally. of nine or something on throws past fifteen yards or whatever. I forget what that ended up being, but um couldn't get anything going.
1: Yeah, and there were like seven pass interference penalties in there too. So <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know. But yeah, sixty almost sixty pass attempts tonight. I'm not not crazy about that at all. No um all right well uh we'll wrap this show up with uh hopefully some more uh positive takes here so we'll give out some of our uh usual game balls to some uh deserving players we'll see what kind of happens um tyler we'll start with you man who's uh your game ball of the night we'll
2: definitely have to look at where these stats ended up but considering um russell wilson had only 188 yards and it felt like more than half of that was from jc jackson I do want to give a game ball to Bryce Callahan, who continues to be a top 10 player on this team so far through the entire season. I don't think he's allowed more than 21 yards in any game this year. Uh, he's currently only allowed 75 on the year through five games through Chris Harris Jr.'s first five games last year, uh, 200 and something yards. So there's a clear upgrade there. He had two tackles for loss or contributed to one that someone else cleaned up and then a tackle for loss on another screen. I would imagine that he gave up maybe 20 something yards again this game looked really good there looked good um, against screens as well I know like that's not what the game ball most people thought of um, but to me I think Bryce Callahan deserves a lot of credit for being a really steadying force for this team especially after watching Chris Harris Jr. last year
3: yeah Um Bryce Callahan was fantastic tonight uh, again and you know especially considering what happened with the JC situation throwing Michael Davis in. just I have A stabilizing force, um, you know, in the slot like he has been is is really good. I'm actually gonna say what most people are saying in the chat because you can go just Dustin Hopkins, um, but JK Scott, uh, I think deserves a game ball as well. Certainly, did not think that he would be kicking, you know, uh, out of the end zone touchbacks, uh, when this game started, and Mm -hmm. and and he had to take over, right? So, for me, um, you know, I, I think that both of them deserve credit. Dustin Hopkins, obviously, for making uh you know four field goals in a wild game where he uh, something happened to him and there was a pop uh so i mean dustin hopkins definitely deserves the game ball but I, I just think we talked about special teams as a whole um and i think dustin hopkins and jk scott sort of just collaborating the way they did the whole game uh and, and managing the kicking game the way they did uh for, for me is the game ball JK yeah. Scott, I, I will say,
2: he had one of the worst punts I've ever seen. That first the pun was awful, man. <laughs> one of the worst punts yeah. I've ever seen. But it from there, really like,
3: kickoffs, amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did also have the uh, pretty good punt in uh, overtime as well. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that first punt, if, if JK Scott didn't do the kick and touchback stuff, yeah, he would not be getting a game ball. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Thomas points this out. I do hope Pat
1: McAfee and his crew talk about uh, Dustin Hopkins tomorrow. Should be fun. Maybe get him on the show. That'd be cool. Get mm. some kicker love. Um, I think those two are obviously well deserving. I mean, uh, J.K. Scott coming in and handling kickoffs was was uh, you know he did a really good job there. I was nervous to see what he would look like as a kicker because uh, when <laughs> he was trying to warm up, it was not a pretty sight. So uh, obviously, shout out to Dustin Hopkins for sure. Uh, I would imagine he got an actual game ball as well. Um, I'm going to give a game ball to Drew Tranquil, man. I thought that this was arguably his best game of his career, maybe since his rookie year when he was playing also the Denver Broncos uh, with like his second or third career start. Um, You know, obviously, Dulcich had like the one big play and so did uh, their other tight end had the one big play early. Um, But we didn't really see them go to the tight ends much after that. I think Drew Tranquil was a big part of that. Uh, you know there were two or three times where um he was covering I, I want to say like number two or number three for Russell Wilson in terms of reads and he wasn't like he was blanketing them and so uh Russ had to either scramble or throw the ball away Um so coverage wise I thought Drew Trinkle was fantastic
0: mm-hmm. and
1: if you just did that I would have said like hey man really good game but then you add in what he was able to do as a pass rusher, as the blitzer, mm-hmm. and also as a run defender. So I think this was Drew Tranquil's best game, and the Charter needed mm-hmm. every second of it. So um I, I think Drew absolutely, absolutely deserves a game ball for tonight.
2: Yes, absolutely. That that's a career defining game for him. Without him, they do not win this game. Huge, huge, huge game from him. Uh, because I, I started to get a little uh sad watching Kaiser White
3: ball out on prime time. But uh, Drew Tranquil, man, he really stepped up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I mentioned him earlier in the show, but I think want us to to still go to Michael Davis uh, as well for, for what he did this game, uh, coming in for J.C. Jackson in that chaotic situation, uh, limiting mm-hmm. quarters, uh crawling something like he did. I will say, the J.K. Scott uh, warm-ups did not look great, but nothing will ever <laughs> top Drew Kayser against the Cowboys. No, recently. when he made that, yeah. <laughs> that, Nothing will ever top that.
1: I, I have to say, if, if Hopkins ever gets hurt in a game, Justin Herbert was a kicker in high school. Like, well, let's go. Let's make that happen. I'm, I'm ready for that. Sure. Uh, quick shout out to the director in here for the chat. Uh, doing some great things over there on YouTube as well. So um, definitely go check him out. I think I played him in the Chargers content fantasy football uh recently and he kicked my ass so shout out to 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 the the director man appreciate the support tonight muchas gracias (laughs) um somebody said thoughts about trading for bryce hall i mean the Chargers have too many cornerbacks right now i was gonna say for like doesn't he play slot does he play outside uh he was outside last year he is playing the slot for them this year and it's uh, not looking great so but yeah if you're going to trade for a jet trade for the receiver that is unhappy or like Michael Carter if you
2: don't want to use him yeah Michael Carter yeah that works too Absolutely. All the Carters. um who else I mean I guess Khalil Mack there's a, a lot of players deserve game balls honestly it was a yeah. really really solid performance all around
1: yeah we i mean sebastian joseph Day austin johnson continue to do really mm-hmm. good things i thought that both of them had some fantastic moments um tonight against the run uh against uh is it lloyd cushionberry so both of them are, were really good so um are we been at here for an hour and five minutes so um we'll, we'll wrap up tonight's show appreciate everybody tuning in tonight um had a great crowd great super chat so thank you for that um alex final thoughts before we uh head out for the evening uh thank god that's over let's go (laughs) beat Seattle please there we go short and sweet I appreciate it uh Tyler what's up man final thoughts here let's ride (laughs) (laughs) well done well done um yeah I guess my final thoughts here are you know much needed performance from the defense um we needed to see them kind of put together a a performance like this it wasn't a complete game by any means but you know, they got after the passer, they did some good things at coverage, stopped the run at a at a at a pretty good rate. So um hopefully this is a is a sign of things to come for this defense. You know, Brandon Staley obviously, as a defensive mind, has a lot riding on the rest of this season and fixing this defense. So um again, hopefully they are able to uh get right soon. So um an ugly win is still a win, and that's the bottom line. Chargers four and two taking on the Seahawks next week and then they get a much needed bye week where they can get some uh, rest and get healthy so we'll have you guys covered there we're gonna be going live on Wednesday for our uh, preview opportunity of the Seattle Seahawks game I'm looking forward to that so um, that's gonna do it for us tonight guys and we'll see you then